Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain. But you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. friends and welcome to the secret podcast at service of change where we challenge reality question that which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change i'm your host dennis nappy the second on tonight's show we will be talking about the power of music i have special guest coming on my one and only brother mike nappy musical genius and we're not going to just talk about the power of music in terms of the words but more in terms of the energy within that music and its impact on human thought and human behavior very powerful stuff. It ties into a lot of the things that I cover on the show. Some really big things going on with Service of Change. Uh, I want to direct you to, uh, you know, you can find the links at serviceofchange.com for this one, but my YouTube channel, what I started doing this week uh, in, in trying to just get more content out there, things that we can really reflect on and, and, and talk about and, and grow and learn from. Uh, it's called Daily Gnosis, and it's it's like a four, three to four minute clip Monday through Friday where I'm pulling different Gnostic uh, information, texts. This week I was reviewing the Nag Hammadi and the Book of Zostrianus, and it was really cool stuff that I got into in how these texts that are you know over 1,500 years old are talking about false realities, and ultimately it looks like um, you know some type of virtual reality that's talked about in, in these ancient texts, so it's really cool stuff, so I broke that down in uh, small three to four minute increments, so that'll come out every single day, um, best place to get that is through my YouTube channel, links at serviceofchange.com, I would love for you to check it out uh, and hear your thoughts and feedback on it as I'm trying to, like I said, continue to explore and understand this crazy world we live in, and more importantly, who we are and our connection to it, and this is a great way to get that in, in short little bits of information each day, uh, and again, you can find it through the social media feeds as well. So before I jump into the show, uh, I, I want to look at uh, some of the things that are going on in the news because we have a lot of neat things going on, some pretty bad things going on as well. Uh, I don't like to focus on the bad, but I'd like us to be aware of the bad so we can move beyond it. I'm going to start out with a, with a pretty fun story. This one I found across on CNN's feed. Uh, mysterious radio signal traced to dwarf galaxy light years away. And states, this mysterious signal that has confounded scientists for years has been traced to a spot in the sky more than 3 billion light years away. Almost a decade after the first fast radio burst, or FRB, was discovered, an international team of researchers has pinpointed the origin of one such signal as a dwarf galaxy in the Pentagon-shaped constellation Arugia. They originally thought the signal sporadic bursts of radio waves was coming from within the Milky Way itself or from our closest galactic neighbors, but a new report in the journal Nature confirms it emanates from a tiny galaxy, 1% the mass of our own. So it's pretty cool. It goes on to talk a little bit more about this signal. Um, 
my first thoughts when I was reading this said, oh, maybe this is aliens because it's a repeating signal. But they go on and they say, you know, most likely it's not. It's probably some kind of black hole or supernova. supernova. But again, that's the official story. We can draw our own conclusions as well as we do our own research. So I'll have the links to this in the show notes. Uh, This one I came across, I haven't even really read this one yet, um, but this comes to us from space.com, and uh, the White House releases Dangerous Asteroid Strategy. I'm not going to spend too much on this, but it's just interesting to look at how they, they, you know, they have a plan on what their strategy would be. Uh, the White House has released a, na- a national near-Earth object preparedness strategy, a document developed by the interagency working group for detecting and mitigating the impact of Earth-bound near-Earth objects. Um, according to the strategy document, it seeks to improve our nation's preparedness to address the hazards of near-Earth object impacts by enhancing the integration of existing national and international assets and adding important capabilities that are currently lacking. So I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to put this up in the link in the um, show notes at servicechange.com, but this is interesting because a few weeks ago, uh, or a few episodes back, I talked about the push for weaponizing space, and this ties back into what Ed- Edgar Mitchell was talking about with John Podesta during the WikiLeaks, where he was Edgar Mitchell was saying, you know, as far as communication with ETs, because he was he was claiming to be in communication with ETs, he said they are against the weaponization of space. Now we're seeing this space weaponization race we talked about, you know, like I said in previous shows, between the United States and China, and, and I think Russia may have a hand in that too, and they talked about how they're going to be having satellites attacking one another. So I wonder if this, under the guise of there is a threat of asteroids, and this is real, there could be a threat of asteroids out there, um... I wonder if they're going to use that to springboard this weaponization of space. So let's watch for that as well. It's always great when they have a neat story out there, but what's the agenda behind it? This may tie into that weaponization piece that they're talking about right there, and this will be another way to kind of get people on board for it. Uh, This one, this next story comes to us from theguardian.com, and this one makes me a little bit nervous for several reasons. This one's called Japanese Company Replaces Office Workers with Artificial Intelligence. A future in which human workers are replaced by machines is about to become a reality at an insurance firm in Japan where more than 30 employees are being laid off and replaced with an artificial intelligence system that can calculate payouts to policyholders. Well, number one, that's got to be a pretty advanced system because anytime I call and speak with an automated machine, I get so incredibly frustrated because it doesn't understand what I'm saying. But number two, this is scary on so many levels. We've had a lot of people warning us about this move for AI. I read a story, I may have brought it up last week, I don't remember, but I read a story talking about how uh, AI is getting a springboard forward for people that purchase uh, the real dollar, sex, their sex dolls. And what real doll is doing in 2017 is they're going to have these dolls with an AI implanted within them so it can have basic conversations with things such as, how is your day? And you know, they're, they're pushing the sale as far as, you know, they'll really help people who have these dolls who are dealing with loneliness. They gave a story about a guy living in Alaska, how it would help with his loneliness. And I agree, it might help people who are feeling lonely. But it is through these backdoor programs where they create a need for people or for consumers, where then the technology gets advanced because people invest money in it. And the next thing we know, that technology is being taken advantage of. I could do a whole show on this and maybe I will because I have a lot to say. So I'm going to stop there. I'd love to hear your thoughts and I'll have the links in the show notes so you can read more about this. But AI, you know, is taking another foothold on, uh, you know, on life on this planet as we know it. More space news coming from CNN. China will be on Mars by the end of 2020. I first want to say 
this quote, this, this heading is a little bit misleading. Uh, I'll let you read through this, but it talks about how China is joining the space race. They want to have um, either a probe or a man on the moon by 2018. And by 2020, their goal is to have a robot on the moon, not an actual person, but they're joining the race. We know Obama put out there uh, you know, a few months back. He wants to see mankind on the moon sometime in the 2030s. So for many of us listening, that may be our lifetime. So this article is a little bit misleading as far as the heading is concerned, but China is making that push. We're going to see all that. It looks like we're making a push towards space, not just the weaponization of space, but the exploration of space. So I find that pretty interesting as well. Uh, this last one here, uh, you know, it, it's a tough story. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. You can find it everywhere. I will have a link to, to one of the, uh, you know, the coverages of it. But uh, the Chicago torture where the, the uh, special needs boy who was 18 years old was tortured uh, live on, on Facebook Live. He was beaten for over a half hour. Uh, they were having him make anti-Trump statements. And uh, some people are calling it a hate crime because I believe the, the participants um, you know, we're, we're a group of black teenagers from the boys' school uh, that, you know, they're possibly considering kidnapping charges. I haven't looked too deeply into this, but my point is, whatever spin they're going to put on this, number one, it was horrible. It was a disgusting thing that happened. But we talked about this a week or two ago, how in Russia they're putting out a program that pretty much mirrors the Hunger Games. I talked about this uh, months ago, talking about, you know, how there's a push for the Hunger Games that's coming as well, which is really scary stuff. Um, you know, we're getting desensitized to it. More people are taking those risks and putting this violent, this natural, raw, real violence out there. As consumers, we need to be responsible with that as this stuff comes out because we're going to see more of it. We are absolutely going to see more of it. Some of it will be in an official capacity. Some of it's going to be raw, live, and, and just like this, scary and, and, and torturous where, you know, people are just taking it upon themselves to do things like this. It's, it's, it's escalating. Be a smart consumer. I would say... Don't share this stuff. Don't watch this stuff because if they're not getting hits, they're not going to get money for it. They're not going to get sponsorship for it. There's not going to be an interest for it. As much as we want to look at the, at the bloody gory thing going on off on the side of the road when you drive past an accident, you have to look away. Be aware of it. Don't indulge in it because you're just, you're just contributing to the problem. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Like I said, a lot of stuff going on. I'm going kind of fast right now just because I want to jump into this fantastic interview with my brother, Mike Nappy. We're, we're, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to this discussion again. And, and I want us to focus on you know the power of music. It's not just the words that you're hearing or the nice melodies. There's energy within that music. And, and my brother and I are going to dissect that tonight in this podcast. And I hope you enjoy it. So let's go ahead and uh, bring my brother on. Okay, so let's bring him on the line. I have uh, Mike Nappy. He's a singer. He's a producer. He's a musical genius, also known as my brother from the same mother. What's going on, dude? How are you? Yo, bro. What's up? Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, man. We've been trying to do this for a while, uh, you know, meeting over the past couple months, and then for the past three hours, you've been sitting here trying to <laughs> <laughs> figure stuff, and it's just been a, a real pain in the neck. But That's the name uh, of the game. I know, right? You know, whenever you try to do something good, it has to be so hard because hey. we're trying to set up just some some higher quality audio. But anyway, we got it worked out. If it was, and, uh, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, exactly, right? So for for our guests, let's just uh, let's just give a little bit about you know kind of who you are and what you're doing right now. Take about a minute. Just tell us you know what you have going on that's big in your life right now as a, as a musician. All right. Well, um, I reside in Westchester, Pennsylvania, where I'm pr pursuing my full time music career. As a producer, songwriter, and artist, um, on September 28th, I released my first 
Um, I was at, I, on September 28th, I had my debut as a producer with a project I did with Bam Margera called The Eavesdroppers, and that was an entire album recorded at my house. And um, also, as a solo artist, uh, I've gotten to travel with Bam, um, tour with Andy McCoy from Iggy Pop in Finland, got to open up for Yellow Wolf, Mushroom Head, and um, that has helped me develop the skills I need to continue to do it on my own. And now I have an eight-song acoustic video series dropping at the end of the month with lots of new music and videos. So music is getting pretty exciting now as I've reached a point where I have a team and a machine that's able to um, get consistent material out. So um, the growth is becoming rapid. That's pretty awesome. Obviously, I've been tracking your progress, what you've been doing since you were you know, since the day you were born, uh, but since you got into music and, and, you know, for, for my listeners out there, you know, I'm not saying this because he's my brother, but, uh, you know, Mike really is a musical genius. He could pick up any instrument and play it. And he has such a, a, a unique ear and a unique perception. Um, and the reason why I want to have him on this show is tonight is because, you know, I, I want to talk about the power of sound and the frequency of sound and the energy of sound. And Mike has a good understanding of that and, and the, some of the spiritual connections that we make because him and I talk quite often on that. And having someone who is so talented at playing, you know, multiple instruments and working with music, I think he can give us a unique perspective on that. So what I'm looking to get into in the show is ultimately how music can affect human behavior and Mike and even some of the songs that he writes um, you know it, it's geared towards making his listeners feel good or invoke a specific emotion so uh, I hope that's something that you're comfortable talking about tonight Mike yeah it'd be great favorite topic so <clears throat> what would you say about you know music's ability to, to influence somebody's mood how would you how would you invoke that or how would you use that the easiest way to think about it is frequency and vibration have an effect on the physical body period no matter what type of frequency or vibration it is and music is all frequency and vibration so higher frequencies affect higher vibrations for example you, high strings you can can often put you in a state of euphoria where low notes may take you to a lower darker place pun intended and um, that's a very very basic way to think about it but it breaks down um, on a range from high to low, but, uh, and frequencies break down into really the same areas as your chakras break down. So different ranges of high and no- low notes will affect different parts of your physical aura and chakras. And there are some and many producers and musicians that know this throughout time, back to Egypt, and um, they utilize it. Some for good, some to, you know, make people feel enlightened or empowered, and some for bad to um, put them in a low state of vibration, which creates vulnerability. Then you're susceptible to be, being open and um, falling into a trance almost to to the composer. And some people, that's two options, you know, for the good and for the bad, and then... Others are more just not as deep with it, but use those facts of sonic vibrations as their palette, and they just enjoy evoking different emotions based on which frequencies and vibrations they use. So it's alchemy. I hope 
that made sense. Uh, yeah, it's basically music is alchemy. It's sound alchemy, and um, that that makes perfect sense. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in for a minute because you said a lot of stuff and and it's getting me super excited because there's a lot of things that I try to cover on the show. All those concepts, how you know different pitches and different frequencies are hitting different chakra points on our bodies, which have different influences on our thoughts and ultimately our behavior. And I've been very interested in the technologies that they have out there. You know, I did a previous show about the electronic impulses that they're embedding in TV programs and stuff. Um, you know, we looked at the patents, uh, you know, how they're affecting mood and behavior. And this takes it, you know, it's, this is another piece to that. And I think just a, a simple example of it is if, if you watch a movie, you know, it could be the scariest movie in the world. You take the sound away from it. Yeah, you're going to be visually stimulated, but it's not going to have the same impact on you. Or if you, if you add silly clown music to a horror movie, it's going to change the mood of the, of the movie, correct? Yeah, that was actually um, in film class in college. That was... Uh, a paper I wrote was on um, Halloween because John Carpenter's simple music made you know the killing scene so intense and if you muted the music it was really funny because the the movie was so low budget it really depended on the music to evoke their emotions so you know that's funny that's funny because I as you're saying that, I'm going, oh, yeah, you are the one that told me that. I couldn't have heard that from. Hey, but, that's right. Yep, it was yeah. you. That's where I heard it from. I remember those conversations. You know, and, and it's 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 interesting. I mean, you take that to a much deeper level. Even, you know, we have a, a personal connection to the movie Interstellar, which I don't, I don't think I've talked about too much on the air. But I listen to the soundtrack from time to time. And that soundtrack gives me the absolute chills. You know, I think that was Hans Zimmer. I think, is he the one or was it... Um, I can't remember if it was him or, or another composer, but the the yeah, man's a genius. Hans Zimmer, you're right. It was Hans Zimmer, yeah. And, and because you feel, I mean, he you feel the energy rising when you're listening to his soundtrack to his what he has composed, oh, and he just times that perfectly. Incredible. Uh, the famous, most popular f- film composers, they to me are the kings. But I think you know my realm is pop music, and I'm proud, and I think. Uh, if potential to you know really speak to a lot of people but those that score films like Hans Zimmer and John Williams um to name two of my favorite they're they really understand the frequencies and really know how to tap into a person's psyche with their composition so yes I agree Interstellar's score was unbelievable it really brought you in there Right, but just and, and that's and that's what you and I are talking about is, is how it's hitting people on an energetic level, yep. you know. And, and I've I've I talk regularly about, and this is something that we're continually missing, and I'm hoping it becomes common knowledge. I mean, it's a legitimate sixth sense that we have, um, and, and I've done a lot of research on this for for my upcoming book. But it's it's an electromagnetic field that's a part of our body. It's generated by the heart, and it's basically a Wi-Fi signal, and that Wi-Fi signal is continually hacked, influenced, and manipulated. And when I first started understanding this, I was like, wow, that's really scary. But because people can change our moods without us realizing it. But the reality is we can realize it. We recognize when we're starting to get in a bad mood. And if we're aware of this sense and we're aware that something like music can influence it, 
you just simply have to change the channel if you start feeling an emotion that you know is not healthy for you. It's the same way as you walk in a room and something smells bad. Yeah. I'm going to leave the room because it stinks. I'm going to light an air freshener to counteract that energy and that frequency. Big time. You know, and, and the music, and that's exactly what the music is doing. But people aren't aware of that. And when we get in that harmony of I feel down today, I'm going to listen to that song that's going to make me feel down even it. worse. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. It's, but it's you know, so strong. It's it, and it stimulates your brain in such an um, an extreme way that's similar to a, like a hit of a drug. You know, they mm-hmm. need it. And yeah, you, you crave that. You know, and I've been in those funks. Especially like there's there's a certain song. You know, I I'm better with it now. But, you know, it, it just it reminds me of dad. And when I, like, there was a time, like, I guess within the first two years after he died, that song would come on. I couldn't turn it off. And literally one day I listened to it probably 500 times and just felt sadder and sadder every time I listened to it. And I'm going, just turn off the song and put on, you know, a, a happy song. Right. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I just wanted to keep, because I was just harmonizing with that negative energy now that i understand this i i have the willpower to turn that stuff off because i know what's happening right. you know but for many of us it's difficult to do and I, I challenge people all the time when you're feeling down put on a song that makes you feel happy yep. pharrell you know, man and that can make you yeah a, that's i think that song's is going to be as classic as like twinkle twinkle little star happiest it's a powerful song yeah. yeah you know i use it with my kids when we're feeling down we put it on and within you know, thirty seconds. The whole family's dancing in the living room. When, you know, when we're having a rough, a rough moment. That is a powerful song. You know, but but music has so many levels to it besides just the frequency and the vibrations. You know, it. Some some artists choose to put information just in the lyrics, and, and obviously there's power in words. You know, beyond just the words meaning. But we'll just stick to this right now in, in what the words actually mean. Literally, you know, I, I was very surprised. I, I just taught something in my class. We're, we're teaching Shakespeare and we did a video. We looked at a video called Shakespeare and Hip Hop. And this, he was a Shakespeare poet, but he was also a hip hop artist. And he showed how Shakespeare can rap. You can rap Shakespeare to iambic pentameter. Yep. But then he gets into like some of the, you know, what he called the great hip hop artists. He was talking about Wu-Tang. And they, he, I forget which song it was, but he starts dropping the lyrics, which was all about, um, you know, your universal connection and higher consciousness and stuff that I wouldn't have understood in eighth grade when this came out. Yeah. And I'm listening to it now. I'm going, these guys are freaking geniuses, man. They're talking about chi and energy, and I'm like, wow, they're they're really ahead of their time. It was amazing. Big time when I, I, I was, I was much older too when I started realizing what the hell Wu Tang was saying and. Shoo, they they understood the, that the knowledge for sure on frequencies and all that, especially the yeah, main yeah. producer Jizza. Uh, um, he 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 was a mastermind behind a lot of their sounds. He was doing exact. He was doing that on purpose. I think even it even goes further. And with a lot of this pop music, it comes with good and the bad. And there's different drugs of the generation. And I I think um, sometimes these artists know what drugs the artists are doing like nowadays it's codeine and i'm not advocating it but it's a fact a lot of the youth is doing it and back in the wu-tang days it was dust and um being inebriated by those sounds create creates like different types of sounds and um i think these producers some know it and know that their listeners are going to be in a vulnerable state of mind and they really capitalize on it and get in your subconscious and then you don't even realize it for years 
And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, when you're under the influence, it's obviously changing your electromagnetic output. So then if you have a different frequency hitting a different frequency, it's going to have a different impact, going to have a different change to it. The wave pattern is going to be different. And we're talking basic science stuff now. Yeah. You know, the, 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 um, the counter wave that's produced is going to be of a different number, of a different range, because you're putting out something different at that point in time. So that makes a lot of sense is what they were doing. But, you know, what I also find interesting is that, like when I was, like when you and I were kids, when Wu-Tang came out, my perception of them were, oh, these guys are bad. And I don't remember if that was how the media portrayed them. I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, they had explicit lyrics, labels and stuff. Or if it was my cultural upbringing that just rejected that. I mean, because I did, I listened to hip hop, I listened to rap, but I always thought in my head, like, Wu Tang was too extreme. They're gangsters. They're they're bad. You know, like they're putting out a bad message. But I had no idea what the message was. And I wonder if that was almost intentional, not by Wu Tang themselves, but by people that didn't want this knowledge and understanding to get out. That's a fact. Yes, all of the, many um, MCs that were saying real stuff in their songs were, you know, um, they they weren't given the same platform that the same establishments were giving other artists that wouldn't talk about those things. Right, that we're having more of, and I'm not criticizing all artists that don't talk about this, but some music is just music to listen to, to enjoy, to feel good, and some music is out there to distract you. That's like anything. Right, and some's there to empower so they, you, and all the music that is there to empower you is often pushed back. Right, and that—that's what I was—that's what I was thinking about when I, when I saw those lyrics. I was like, man, I thought these were bad people, you know. And then you're listening to what they're saying, and, and I don't know. They may have some songs out there that are pretty horrible. I don't know. I've never listened to all their stuff, but in listening to some of the things that they were saying, you know, it was empowering to listen to. Yeah, them. they were inspiring. They were geniuses. Yeah, they they really um, fooled the music, you know, the 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 masses and made their fortunes and stayed true to themselves. And, um, you know, they capitalized on that image for sure, but stayed authentic with, with their lyrical content. And um, they, they went in with strength in numbers. There was a lot of them. And then they were able to branch off and do their own stuff. Um, yeah, it, but back to uh, the talking about how different artists were often not given the radio time as artists that weren't talking about it. Another one is KRS-One. He's often known as the teacher. And he, mm -hmm. most, every song you could ever look up by him is teaching. There's there's a lot of artists from New York and from the 90s and 80s that were dropping and they weren't getting put on the radio as much as other stuff. And I think when you look at how frequent it happened with so many artists, you it makes you think that it was definitely done on purpose. Right, too many coincidences to deny, you know, that, that content. Now, I mean, to play devil's advocate, you could just say, well, the public doesn't demand that type of content, right? Right, that's true. You could say that. Um, but, geez, Louise. The no, I, I mean, I, and I tend to be conspiracy-minded, you know. You know um, so that's, that's something that I would definitely consider and explore. And, you know, I do look at it that way, too, saying, wow, why isn't this stuff getting out there? Because the other thing I say is some of the crap that makes it on the radio compared compared to this other stuff. I mean, why not put it out there? Right. You know, and that's what makes me nervous is I hear some of the stuff my students listen to nowadays. And sometimes I say, am I just an old man? Like, you know, when our parents were kids and their parents used to get mad about rock and roll, you know, because rock and roll was so 
abrasive to the culture back then? Am I just not getting this new culture with some of this music that's out there? It's a little bit of both. Like I'm, I feel you because I'm getting, um, you know, I some at moments feel like I'm getting old too. But um, no, I really think that um, the stuff that is is getting is getting pushed through is is stuff that's that's misrepresenting it's 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 just wrong on so many levels it's it's easy to manufacture which is the key and you know often it's a, who wants to be famous not who wants to be have the songs that they spend their whole life writing broadcasted to the mm-hmm. world so I, right. I just believe that there's multiple motives behind it i believe like that this bad music is put there to confuse the masses and misrepresent the culture of hip hop um, because hip hop is such a powerful tool, and I just think that for decades it's there's been a big force to try to make it look less important than what it is. It, right? You know, hip hop's no different than what rock and roll was, and what jazz was, and what gospel was in the tradition in, in the fashion of American music. There's always one style of music that really is the voice of the masses, and for the past 15, 20 years, it's been hip hop, but now I think it's getting infiltrated, and um, which is why there's so much quote crap. You know, there's still a lot of amazing music, but it's- right, so it's harder to find it now because of all the other, I guess, distractions that are out there. You know, and on an interesting side note, you know, this speaker that was covering, um, you know, Shakespeare and hip hop, I'll have I'll have the link to this YouTube video in the show notes because it's really interesting. But he said that you know he called he called Shakespeare a keeper of the knowledge. He says because through his plays we're able to get an understanding of you know how people thought, how people acted, and what was going on in the world, even though they're they're you know fictional plays. You still get an understanding of some knowledge out there when you when you look into Shakespeare's plays. I thought that was pretty an interesting way to say that. He said Shakespeare was a custodian of the knowledge. And he says, and that's what hip hop is. There were custodian people in hip hop are custodians of knowledge. And he was giving going back and talking about you know the the origins of hip hop and, and how it was founded in New York and and what they were trying to do is preserve information. Yeah. And that made me connect. Like the the bards, the ancient bards, their job was to you know put knowledge in song, and they would sing to pre- you know in oral traditions to preserve knowledge and to teach. And when you listen to the old hip hop, e- even if they're talking about people getting locked up and and you know horrible things happening, well they're telling a story they're to to preserve. Hey, this is what's happening to our culture right now. Right, and in regards to American music, you know. Um all of these genres we've discussed, they, they have been created by, by black Americans, by African Americans. And, um, and that's an important thing, too, because through each changing of the voice and style of music was born from black Americans creating under a different type of oppression. And um, that's, that's a sad fact that is often not talked about more, but like... You know, like blues that you know that was post right post slavery and and field chants and people c- complaining through their music about how shitty life is you know and then that slowly morphed into rock and roll and the issues changed but it was still oppressed black america that created it and um it's just an interesting fact that i think isn't just talked about enough um it doesn't mean that white people can't or any other genre uh, race can't do the music but all of this music is come from black people and 
sometimes I just feel compelled to say that because I think it's important. That's, that's an interesting that's an interesting piece there and, and you know what what I think is another connection is is the emotion that goes into music because we're talking about music's ability to influence emotion and I think when you put emotion into the creation of a song do you find that transcends when you're putting emotion into one of your you know your pieces that you're putting together yeah yeah um, I'm careful with what I write um, mm-hmm. I mean the be- biggest examples most cliche in the world but true Tupac and Biggie they both had songs like Biggie if I die fucker go to hell and then Tupac uh, if I die if I die tonight <laughs> you know like when you write about things not I think you, not only do they resonate with other people but they can attract you to them that makes a lot of sense too because you know you get back what you put out into the universe basically is, is kind of like the law of attraction yeah the one time I experimented with yeah. it on the first page of my journal I said I won $2,000 and the very next day I drove at the time I was driving a minivan I, and it was raining so I drove my friend home around the block and I fucking flooded in my van got totaled and I got a $2,000 tax refund thing <laughs> I remember that you were very upset when I when I laughed about that. But no, and, and, yes, and, and that was my lesson: be careful what you wish for, and and be careful what you write about. Um, mm-hmm. I think it happens on a more recognizable level to people that write often. You don't have to be professional, mm-hmm. but when you write often, you'll see how much your mind well, really gets put in that place. Well, you're connecting to the creative energy, and I think that's you know is something powerful. And I think when you're putting it in something, you know, like me as an author, when I put it in a book, when I read a book, the book changes me because I resonate with that book. You know, I become a part of that book. That book will forever become a part of me. It's going to change my outlook, my opinion, my experiences on things. And music is the same thing, but it's it's such a shorter experience that you can access over and over and over again and absorb that energy that's put into it so yeah, it's not i think it's a very powerful thing to put out there we're uh, we're coming up on the end of the of the of our discussion here mike but is there anything else you want to add you know to the power of music and, and how it can influence people and yeah um the, the type of music i've studied the most in my life is american music and um i think it's just important to recognize its origin and um, I think that music, m- music with a message is purposely uh, hidden when it can be. And I think the origin of music is hidden when it can be. And I think it's important to do your homework on that stuff. And not you, just, the, you know, the listener. Um, mm-hmm. Because that alone will set you free. That just being open to that idea will really make you even listen to the same song you heard differently, and um, changed my life. And that's and that's an interesting point. Like I've noticed, just in this, the more I understand, you know, obviously the more questions I have, but I could listen to a song or even read a book at one stage of my life, and you go back and read it five, ten years later, and you're like. Whoa! I didn't understand that they were saying this because you, you're standing on a different perspective now. You have you know a bit of knowledge base. So ultimately, I guess whatever you impressions you get from what you're listening to, go with it, explore it, research it, run it to the ground, and find out all you can about it. Yeah. Okay. Good. So how can uh, how can people connect with you if they want to find you know some of your work, Mike? 
Uh, nap, nappy music everywhere. N-A-P-P-I music. All social media platforms. Okay. Nice and simple. Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. Um, website. Okay. Okay, and, cool. So I'll have the links uh, up in the show notes at servicechange.com as well. Cool. And um, it's, I'm pretty pumped. I have 2017 is going to be packed. Um, we already have about eight complete professional music videos stacked and ready to get released and filming two more in two weeks. So I'm going to be releasing a lot of music this year. And most of the topics of my songs are everything we talked about today. If, if it's not about... The history of American music, it's about how it, music itself can empower you. Um, they are really the themes of almost all of my songs. So you'll And they can get a sample of some of that stuff. Is any some of that stuff available right now or if somebody wants to get a sample yeah, of it? Yeah, SoundCloud, Nappy Music. Okay, I'll have the links. I'm on SoundCloud, obviously, as well. So I'll have the links to your SoundCloud stuff in the show notes at serviceofchange.com. Cool. So uh, listeners can check that out as well. So, well, Mike, thanks for uh, for taking the time. I know we could go on forever talking about this stuff. I'm glad uh, we were finally able to make it happen, even though it took us three hours to get set up yeah, tonight. Yeah, thanks for but... having me on. Um, <laughs> and I am a regular listener, so I'm pre- I'm happy to finally be on it. It's cool. Awesome, dude. Appreciate you listening. And... Uh, Obviously, I'll talk to you soon, bro. Yes, sir. Thanks again. That was a really great interview. I enjoyed doing that. Mike and I have been trying for uh, for a few months to connect and and get on here and have this discussion. We've talked about it, you know, on the phone and uh, you know in passing and stuff. But it's just having our schedules me- uh, mesh up has been tough. He's a, he's a pretty busy guy, constantly creating. He's got that um, that musical genius drive where he just wants to continually be creating music because he has it in his head and he's putting it out there. He's got a hand, his hands in a lot of things. And and maybe I'm a little biased because he's my brother, but but he's 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 genuinely talented. That's why I asked him to be on this show because he's got a creative genius that I think gives us that insight. So I want us to, to, you know, my biggest takeaway from this was when he was talking about um, you know the, the the energy, the frequency, the vibration, how it's affecting the different chakra points from the higher chakras to the lower chakras, and that the effect that it has. And we need to be mindful consumers of that when we're listening to different types of music, and we can use that. And you know, and, and it's the same thing. The, the, what I'm learning about this electromagnetic field that we have, you know. What we put into it affects our mood, it affects our bodies, it affects our health. The same way you put a drug or a pill or or junk food or healthy food into your mouth, into your system because it affects your body in a different way. Well, the same thing with sound and frequency and with music. And and we can be smart consumers about that. And, And when we're feeling a certain way, well, we can have the ability to change that mood. But it takes us to be able to recognize and getting in touch with that inner voice, that inner self. And I say that all the time, do the inner work, look within, start paying attention to your thoughts and to your emotions and understand what triggers them. And when you realize, hey, I'm starting to feel kind of crappy, what's causing this? Sometimes you will realize, oh, it's this song that's setting me off. Change the channel. Challenge yourself one time when you're starting to feel down, have a pre-planned happy song when you're starting to feel down, switch to that happy song and see what impact it has on your mood. That's your homework right now. And we can use that to raise that vibrational level because that could be a key fight. You know, if if these archons really are real that I'm doing this research on how they're influencing human behavior, how they're feeding off of our negativity. We know the media is feeding off of our own negativity and sadness and downness. If we could do something as simple as putting on a song to impact our mood, to make us feel better, to starve them out and to stop the control and manipulation, that's real power. So I want to challenge us to be mindful, to look within and use the simple yet complex tools at our fingertips every single day. 
be a smart consumer. That is revolution. We don't always have to take to the streets and get violent and get crazy. We just need to be more disciplined and more aware of ourselves, both within and without. So a great show. Big shout out to my brother. Check him out. Nappymusic.com. You can find the links in the show notes as well at servicetochange.com to his Facebook feed and everything and to his music that's currently available. Big things coming for him. I'd like to direct you also back to my new, my YouTube page and check out Daily Gnosis. I'm really proud of this program this week that's going to be coming out Monday through Friday. I'm just doing Gnostic reflections on, on different things and, and I'm learning as I go, but I, I'm really pulling out a lot of stuff and connecting a lot of dots. But the great thing about it is it's it's in small increments, so it's easier to digest. You get one thought a day and you sit there and you think about it and you process it and the next day you get another piece of that puzzle. So you're not getting this information overload. It's a great just way to keep in touch with this Gnosticism and, and, and this further exploration of, of who we are and our connection to the universe because that's something that's so important to me. If you haven't done so already, please go to serviceofchange.com, sign up for the secret newsletter. That comes out every single Sunday where you'll have the show notes to the latest podcast. You'll have some links to your daily Gnostic thoughts and some other content from me, exclusive content for my subscribers. Everything I'm talking about is free. You're even going to get a copy to read my free ebook, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are because I'm trying to get us thinking in this direction because, because I believe we can change and we can make a difference. And it starts really with the question. It's the question that drives us, as they say in the Matrix. So I've gone way over, but that's okay. It's worth it. This has been a powerful show. I'd like to thank you for listening. Don't forget, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on SoundCloud. You can find everything at serviceofchange.com. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been the Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Seekers.